First John 5, if you'd follow, I'm going to read the first five verses. <clears throat> Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves the Son of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. And verses 4 and 5 are really going to be the heart of what we look at this morning. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. When we come to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, there are seven letters. The, the book starts out, there are seven letters to seven churches. There are seven struggling churches. They've been really the key churches in Asia Minor. But each one is struggling and each one has been falling away uh, from being the light or the city on the hill that Jesus describes the church to be in, in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, they're, they're struggling. And um, Jesus, in each one of these letters, through John to his, his churches, is, is calling them to remember him and, and return to him and, and turn from the sin that is about ready to overwhelm them and extinguish the light of their church. And so each of the seven brief letters to these seven churches ends with a, a sober promise. Seven times it's repeated. It says, the one who overcomes, the one who overcomes, the one who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death, or the one who overcomes will be given authority over the nations, or the one who overcomes will be dressed in white, or the one who overcomes will be made a pillar in the temple of my God. And seven times it's repeated these churches, the one who overcomes. And really what Jesus is saying, the one who is victorious is the one who will share in my victory forever. And so the question is, what happened to those seven churches? What happened to those seven churches? Every one of those seven churches ceased to exist. Their lights extinguished, eradicated by Islam. Every one of those churches in, is in modern-day Turkey today. Every one of them failed to heed the warning of Jesus. Every one of them failed to overcome. And I want you to keep in mind, these were seven key churches. These weren't just new churches. Every one of them had been planted and watered by the apostles. And yet every one of them, in just a few generations, were gone. Their lights extinguished. They failed to overcome. Isn't that sobering? Um, it's the same, as I, as I thought about this, it's the same sad feeling I get um, when I go, when I drive by a 
church building that is now an art studio or a restaurant. Um, and, and maybe it's because the church outgrew that facility and they got a bigger facility. But in some cases, I think it's because their light's been extinguished and they close their doors. It's the same sad feeling I got uh, just two days ago when um, I heard about a husband and wife pastor team whose marriage disintegrated and their church closed its doors. Um, you know, it's the same gut-wrenching feeling I get when I hear of a, of a brother or sister who's living a, a defeated life or a discouraged life or an addicted life, unable to break the, the discouragement, the despair, and, and the addictions, and, and even some of them coming to the point to where they're ready to give up and quit following Jesus. What happens? What happened? I, I think if we, we put it into the words of First John here, it's they failed to overcome, or that they're failing to overcome. Um, listen to these verses in Romans 8. These are great verses, um, and I think they're familiar. But Romans 8 concludes this way. In verse 35 it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? What, what can separate us from God's love? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, Paul says, in all these things we are more than conquerors. And it's the same word, overcomers. We are more than overcomers through him who loved us. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels, demons, present, the future, powers, height, depth, nothing else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. More than overcomers. I, I love it because it, it really is the same word that we see in First John, but it adds a prefix to it. Um, it adds the prefix uber. And so it's like we're uber overcomers. I love that. And that's what, that's what we are to be in Jesus. We're to be like these uber overcomers, these more than conquerors. And so as we come to First John this morning, that's what I want us to ask ourselves. Are we such overcomers? Are we? Or, or are we struggling with defeated, discouraging, failing lives? Cindy and I had the privilege um, yesterday to go to an all-day conference in Mount Vernon, Washington. Um, it was a Voice of the Martyrs conference. And from 9 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock in the afternoon, we listened to Several speakers just sharing stories, uh, story after story of amazing overcomers. Um, brothers and sisters in the most hostile areas of the world uh, overcoming with their lives. Uh, not slinking back in the face of discouragement, deprivation, hostility, persecution, death, but living 
overcoming lives uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, one such brother uh, in China spent seven years in prison. And the whole time he was in prison, uh, the Voice of the Martyrs was, uh, had a, a massive letter-writing campaign around the world to try and get him released early from prison. It didn't work. It failed. Um, seven years later, he was released from prison just recently. And upon release from prison, uh, the Voice of the Martyrs representatives met with him. And this is almost word for word um, what he said. He said, thank you so much for trying to secure my release from prison, but I'm glad you failed. but I'm glad you failed. Why? And he went on to share that there were 5,000 individuals in that Chinese prison. And 5,000 individuals that without him being in that prison would never have heard about Jesus. And in those seven years he was in prison, every one of them heard about Jesus and many of them came to know Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I'm glad you failed. That, that's an overcomer, isn't it? I mean, what an opportunity in a Chinese prison to give up, to feel defeated and discouraged. Another brother in Iran rides his bicycle from village to village with a drum on his bicycle and a basket carrying Bibles. And when he arrives in a village, he begins to beat the drum until people gather around him, after which he shares the gospel and hands out Bibles. And when he was asked how people respond, he said, well, a lot of times they're, they're really eager to listen to the gospel, but other times they beat me. And when he was asked what he did when he was beaten, this was his reply. When I come to, I get back on my bicycle, ride to the next village, and share the gospel. These are brothers living today in China and Iran, overcomers. You know, an amazing fact that was shared yesterday, Iran, I think we all are vaguely familiar with Iran if, if we wake up in the morning and open our eyes. Um, one of the most oppressive, repressive regimes in the whole world in terms of um, repressing those who would claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. Um, they shared yesterday that Iran um, now, uh, for a Muslim becoming a Christian, the average sentence is eight to ten years in prison for a Muslim to become a Christian. Isn't that incredible? And yet despite that fact, Iran has the fastest growing church in the world. And I wonder how many of us would say, <laughs> I'm staying home <laughs> and I'm keeping my mouth shut. These are overcomers. Wouldn't we like to be such overcomers, bold, confident, victorious in our faith in Jesus? 
whether it's at school where you're not caring if, if kids are going to make fun of us, we know Jesus. Or at work, what our fellow employees would say if we have a Bible on our desk and read it during lunchtime. We know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Or amongst our neighbors or our friends or maybe sometimes the hardest among our families. I think the question, and as we think about brothers like uh, the brothers I just shared in China and Iran, I think sometimes it might be easier for us to think, man, they, they were, they're some uber Christians. <laughs> I mean, there's something special about them and, and that's not me. Is that what it is? Is that what it is? There's th three questions I'd just like us to look at as we look at the text this morning is, who are the overcomers that are being talked about in Scripture? What does it mean to overcome? And, and how can we be these overcomers? The first, look, at, look at 1 John, back at verse 1. 1 John, I'm sorry, 1 John 5, verse 4. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. It's just a factual statement. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. The key word I want you to get, I'm going to give you three key words. The key word I want you to get here, it's the word everyone. You see that? It doesn't say uber Christians overcome. It says everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone. It's not just for a select few. Special Christians. And I want you to know, notice it says everyone born of God. It doesn't say can overcome the world or should overcome the world or might overcome the world. It says everyone born of God overcomes. It's a fact. It's, it's an expectation of all Christians. Everyone born of God, overcomes the world. And, and so it, it's, it's not just for a few, it's, it's an expectation of all of us who call ourselves followers of Christ. And notice, it's not, it's not based on feelings. I mean, how many of us are defeated because we, we live our lives based on our feelings? It's not based on, on personality, well, and isn't that so often what we think? I mean, you know, somebody with a dynamic, charismatic personality. It's not based on personality. It's not based on gifting. It's based on the new birth. Everyone born of God. Everyone who has been born from above, who's experienced the new birth, who has put their faith in Jesus Christ, and he's their Savior and Lord, everyone born of God overcomes the world. So we can say, oh, okay, that sounds great. But what does it mean to overcome? To do this, we're, we're going to flip back to a couple of verses in the Gospels. If you'd flip back with me to Luke 11, and we, there's two parallel passages, one in Luke and one in Matthew, the exact same passage, but... One of them uses this word, overcome, and another, the parallel passage uses a different word, and it really helps us understand 
what we mean by overcome. Luke 11. If you, we're going to start um, in verse 15. Luke 11:15, page 726 in these Bibles. Jesus drove out a demon that was mute. The demon left, and the crowds amazed. But but the religious leaders who absolutely despise Jesus, they say it's by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that he drives out demons. And Jesus knew their thoughts in verse 17. And he said to them, you know, if a kingdom is divided against itself, it will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. Verse 20 but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, and, and the finger of God in this context, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's just, he, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And then he gives them this illustration. He says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone, and, and Jesus is talking about himself here, one of his followers, who in the power of the Holy Spirit, stronger attacks and overpowers, and that's the word overcomes, okay? Stronger attacks and overcomes him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Now turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12. Matthew 12, 25, it's the same context. They're saying that Jesus is driving out demons by Beelzebul. Jesus knows their thoughts. In verse 28, he says, If by the Spirit of God I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Notice, in Luke, he said, the finger of God. Here, he says, the Spirit of God. Verse 29, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties him up? And in other translation, it says, binds him. So overcomes him, binds him. So overcoming happens with this word binding. From Matthew 12, go to Matthew 16, and we're just going to summarize it really quickly here. Matthew 16, look at verse 17. Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? In Matthew 16, 15, and Simon Peter says, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Simon, you're blessed. Uh, for this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. Notice verse 19, he says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed 
in heaven. And to summarize, what I, this, the synonymous words here, I think, are explaining to us what it means to be overcomers. It's describing for us this intimate, close relationship because of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross between heaven and earth. Between his authority in heaven as king of kings and lord of lords and the authority that we have on earth in his name through the power of the Holy Spirit. The focus is on the close relationship between earth and heaven and our God-given authority to use God's power to accomplish God's purposes, to be overcomers. Are we such overcomers? Well, we say, man, I still don't, I still don't feel like an overcomer. How do we overcome? Let's go, go back to 1 John as we kind of wrap it up here. 1 John 5. Everyone born of God overcomes. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith, our confidence, our conviction. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How do we overcome? What is the basis for our authority? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's a confidence and a conviction about who Jesus is, what he has accomplished. In John 16:33, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. In Philippians chapter 2, we see this beautiful picture of Jesus emptying himself of the prerogative, the, the right to function as God and coming down and becoming a servant, a slave, and going to the cross on our behalf. And as a result, he is now King of kings and Lord of lords and, and the one at whose name every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord. And so in Matthew 28, Jesus says, as he's with his disciples just before he ascends to heaven, he says, all authority is mine in heaven and on earth. The basis of our authority is Jesus. You know, it's not right words. It's not some magical formula. It's not praying some right prayer. It's who we are in Christ, our position in Christ. He's king of kings and we are his and we have that authority. You know, if you turn to Acts 19, there's a really, there's a really funny account in Acts 19 that helps us to get this. Acts 19, verse 13. Um, there's some Jewish um, sons of Sceva. Their, their dad was a high priest, and, and they were trying to drive out evil spirits. Um, and one day as they were trying to do this, it says in verse 15, Acts 19, it says, one day the evil spirit answered them and said, well, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? See, they were trying to say, in the name of Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. Or in the name of Paul, who knows Jesus, but they didn't know Paul or Jesus. They were trying to use the right words or follow some formula thinking, oh, if I just do it the right way, 
I'll have the authority and power to be an overcomer. And he says, Jesus, I know, and I know about Paul. And who are you? And it says, the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overcame them. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. (laughs) Jesus told his disciples when they came back from a, a mission trip, casting out demons and healing the sick and proclaiming the gospel. And they were all excited and they came to Jesus and said, even the demons are subject to you, subject to us in your name. And Jesus responded to them and says, don't, don't be so excited about the demons being subject to you, but be excited that you're mine. That you're mine. If overcoming is the ability and expectation of all believers in Jesus to live exercising the authority and power of Jesus himself, why is it that not many of us are exercising that authority? The authority that is ours in Christ. The authority that a Dr. Samuel, one of the, one of the men we heard about yesterday, lives in India. Uh, He's 83 and he's supposed to be in the United States in about a month to to speak at some conferences. Um, At 78, uh, the doctors told him that he would, uh, he needed a a quadruple heart bypass. And he said he'd pray about it. Um, And after praying about it, he said, you know, (laughs) this isn't medical advice, okay? he said, you know, I'm ready to be with Jesus, so I'm going to bypass the bypass and use the money I would spend on the operation to buy Bibles. Uh, Dr. Samuel spends his time in the Orissa state of India, which is one of the most oppressive, repressive. It's against the law to become a Christian in the Orissa state in India. He hands out tens of thousands of Bibles every year, and he calls the Bible a spiritual time bomb. And his goal is to get the Bible in the hands of as many people as he can, knowing that the Bible in the hands of people can literally blow their lives apart, change and transform their lives. Do we believe that? Are we like a a Dr. Samuel... I mean, we live such comfy lives and he in the midst of one of the most repressive areas in the world, an overcomer. Another one is Gouda. Gouda was a member of the RSS, um, which is, and as they described, the second largest repressive political system in the world, the number one being the Chinese Communist Party. The RSS in India is the number two repressive political regime in the world. It is the biggest persecutor of Christians in India. Gauda was a leader in the RSS. Somebody gave him a Bible. Actually, it was his mother that got a Bible, and he caught her reading it twice and took it away and threw it in the trash. And he caught it. And then out of curiosity, he began reading it, and that spiritual time bomb transformed his life. 
He came to understand that Jesus is life and Jesus is joy and Jesus is deliverance and Jesus is healing. Jesus is the only Savior of the world. And, and believing that, he, he became a Christian. His RSS friends found out about it. They kicked out all of his teeth. That would be a good time to kind of take a vacation and, and say that this overcomer business isn't that important. But not Gouda. He continued... The Muslims called like an inquisition. They brought his wife and they married her off to another man. His kids abandoned him. And doubted to this day continues to be an overcomer for Jesus. This year he's expecting to give away 30,000 Bibles spiritual time bombs that the Muslims and the Hindus of the Arisa state in India would come to know the Savior of the world, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Why aren't we such overcomers? You know, I think the answer is really simple. We don't believe who we are in Christ. We don't believe that the authority that he has as King of kings and Lord of lords, the Savior of the world, is our authority. That it's who we are. It's like we've got a million bucks in the bank and we're living like we're broke. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. And so he said, go. Go. <laughs> And in my name and with my authority and the power of the Holy Spirit, go and in my name make disciples, proclaiming the gospel, delivering the oppressed, healing the sick, that others might know this Jesus that we know. Um, I'm not um, advertising for a company, but to end, as, as I look at the the matter-of-factness of 1 John, where it says everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our confidence and our conviction about who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. You know, as we, if we call ourselves children of God, and I was so convicted about this yesterday as I heard these stories, I, I personally was convicted, am I an overcomer? And in so many ways and, and so many days of my life, I realized I haven't been an overcomer. I've, I've been living a defeated, discouraged life consumed with my issues and my problems and my struggles. And sometimes they seem overwhelming. Man, they're nothing like gout and Dr. Samuels, that's for sure. <laughs> but to me, they've been overwhelming. But it's because I've forgotten. And I don't live in the daily reality that I am an overcomer. Because I've experienced the new birth. I'm a child of God and I have the authority of Jesus to boldly live and proclaim him. As, as one of the brothers whose story was told yesterday, if, if people do something to me, what does it matter? <laughs> what does it matter? If I die, I'm with him. If he delivers me, that's exciting. I'm his. So the advertisement is, it's Nike. They say, just do it. 
right? I mean, that's, that's the matter-of-fact nature of 1 John 5. It's like, we, should, we don't have to have some kind of feeling or feel like we have to have some kind of gifting or some kind of anointing. We've got it. We've got the Holy Spirit in us, indwelling within us. We are children of God. It's for us to live in light of who we are with his authority. Let's pray. Father, help us to take you at your word. Father, tonight,